Hello, everybody. This is a podcast brought to you by ForTheGloryOfOldState.com. I am Craig Versala. I'm joined by my partner from For the Glory of Old State, Brandon Musso. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing good again. Penn State football season wrapped up with the 2019 VRBO Citrus Bowl. However, we're going to be looking at some of the awards from this season. So, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, um, Assistant Coach of the Year, things of that nature. Have a positive spin on uh, this season instead of you know some of the negative comments that came after the bowl game, especially with uh, Coach Franklin's decision to elect to kick on fourth down instead of going for it down six in the fourth quarter of the, the Citrus Bowl. So we'll jump right into it. We have our categories all listed off. We have first Offensive Player of the Year, we'll go Defensive Player of the Year, then Special Teams, our Freshman of the Year, then the Unsung Hero of the Team, and then the Assistant Coach of the Year. So start off with offense. Brandon, who's your guy for Offensive Player of the Year from the Penn State uh, Offensive Corps? Yeah, so I went with Trace McSorley. I think that I think that was an easy pick for me. I remember last year. I think we both picked uh, Barkley in yes. our our written forms of this. And Corey picked thing. Uh, Trace McSorley. Yeah, um, definitely Barkley deserved it last year, but McSorley, I think, just because of all the stuff that he's meant for the program, this award is his. He didn't have like the eye popping numbers this year that many would expect. Honestly, going into it, a lot of people thought he'd be like a major player in the Heisman, but. Uh, he definitely had some accuracy troubles, I think, that that was the biggest thing. But definitely, he showed up in the big moments. He was just a leader, and as we talked about time and time again, he's just a winner. Think back to geez, the Ohio State game. He had just one of the better games of his career and probably one of the biggest and most anticipated Penn State games in quite some time, I would say. Yeah. 268 passing yards, two touchdowns, but ran for 175 yards that game. Just a big, Just a big game on the ground. Obviously... They didn't get the job done and win the game, but still he showed up, gave it his all for his team, and I think that that is definitely something that you can count on from him. Even just, I mean, I look at the Ohio State game, and then I look at the bowl game. I know we talked about that in our last podcast. Um, just, like, tremendous heart coming out with the injury. We don't know. Something was clearly affecting him, the broken foot. We don't know if that's what it was. Whatever it was, he wasn't healthy 100%. Mm-hmm. Just came out in that in that fourth quarter and just I mean the offense looked great and it was just led by him and really every time they got the ball you're like wow they're gonna score they're gonna score just had a lot of confidence in him and that just kind of showed what he was about his entire career basically just coming back just being a leader and kind of just being the guy that just steadies the ship and everything in those late game moments now when it comes to McSorley I I agree that his value is incredible to this Penn State team I don't think that this team wins nine games without Trace McSorley at the helm. I don't think it gets even a close game against Ohio State if Trace McSorley is not the quarterback. But his second-half struggles, whether it was because of injury or performance or receivers, whatever it may have been, I will not give him the Offensive Player of the Year award because I'm going to give it to a guy who had a high performance throughout the year and is declaring for the 2019 draft, and that's running back Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, 220 carries. Uh, he was a lead back for Penn State. He had close to 1,300 yards. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry, nine touchdowns. He also was a great receiver out of the backfield. He had 24 catches. And overall, he had over 1,400 yards from scrimmage. And he was a second-team All-Big Ten performer. You look at some of his bigger games. He had 200 yards against Illinois, 162 yards versus Michigan State, some two big runs against a rush defense that was number one in the country coming into that game. So there was questions of, how this Penn State running game would do against Michigan State, but Miles Sanders reeled off some big runs in that game. 
Then moving on to Wisconsin, another stout run defense. He had 159 yards in a really, really cold game at Beaver Stadium. Then he ended the season with 128 yards versus Maryland in that blowout. Uh, but overall, he had 500-yard rushing games, and you know his performance on the field was you know very, very crucial to the Penn State success this year. And I thought that you know he was an outstanding performer on the offense in a year where the, the offense kind of struggled compared to what we've had in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I definitely think that he was in the running for this award. Obviously, you know, I mean, I feel like they both had pretty good seasons. Um, Tracy Sorley, obviously not the season that everyone was expecting him to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, if when I was picking, I, it came down between those two. I think that, that Sanders was definitely someone who had a solid season and really something that could be looked at as a bright spot on the team. Yeah, I mean, some, some people would like to look at Sanders in the Ohio State game, that crucial fumble, you know, the fourth and five play that Ricky Ronnie called for the, the halfback draw. Um, obviously, that wasn't entirely his fault. But, you know, I think coming out of the first half of the season, like Trace McSorley is a Heisman candidate, you know, especially if they won that Ohio State game. Right. But I thought Miles Sanders being consistent throughout the season. You look, I mean, they played 13 games this year. He had close to 1,300 yards on the ground, averaging almost 100 yards rushing in the Big Ten, never mind the Big Ten East. Yeah. It's a pretty solid performer, uh, in my opinion, Miles Sanders. Either way, you know, both uh, Trace McSorley and Miles Sanders, very solid contributions to the team this year. And an offense that regressed in a way, but, you know, that's kind of expected losing the second overall pick, a second-round tight end, uh, the all-time leading receiver in Penn State history. So right. uh, moving on to uh, the defensive side of the ball, me and Brandon are in very close agreement on this one. Uh Yatur Gross Matos, yep. stud. Yes. Yeah, I definitely thought that this was like an easy pick for me. Just a really exciting player to watch. He's a team leader in sacks and tackles for loss. Eight sacks, 20 tackles for loss. Just a real nice breakout sophomore season that he had. Um, he just showed that he's a really, just a real big playmaker, and he causes havoc in the backfield. Just just a guy that brings a lot of energy. He's, he brings a lot of electricity to the stadium. Just He makes those big plays and the big moments, and... Uh, I think he's going to be a big part of Spencer's Wild Dogs in the coming years. Yeah, um, and we'll touch on Coach Spencer, Coach Spencer, a little bit later on. But uh, you know, Yuturgros Matos. Two things about him: one, coming into the season, did you see this coming? Because no. I certainly did not. No. And then the other thing is, you know, he's coming back next year. He's going to be the leader of that defensive line. He's probably going to declare for the NFL draft, especially the way the other two defensive linemen declare for the draft this year. But, you know, he's going to be a leader in that, that defense next year. And look for him to be, you know, All-Big Ten candidate. He was already first-team All-Big Ten this year. For him to be an All-American candidate as well. And, you know, he, he had a huge season. One other thing I want to touch on with uh, Gross Matos is not only is he defensive end, but on third down when they bring in Shaka Tony for pass rushing, he goes in the inside and becomes a defensive tackle, which that just shows his versatility, his right. skill set, where he can – you know, rush off the edge, but also rush up the middle. And that's something that I think NFL scouts will be interested in to see from him next year, too, if he continues to do that or if he's primarily on the edge, coming off the edge as a rusher. Yeah, just a just a nice breakout season, as I said. And, I mean, he's going to be good for the for coming years, and I think this is just the beginning for him. Uh, so moving over to a, a unit that struggled as well this year is the special teams. Uh, who was your player of the year this year, Brandon, for the special teams unit? Uh, so I went with Jake Pinneger. This was a really tough one for me. I, I mean, as we talked about in the last podcast, the special teams was a real issue this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of hard for me to kind of figure out what 
kind of bright spot there has been in that in that group. Um, so I just had to, I think I just had to go with Pinnaker. I think everybody coming into the season was expecting the kicking to probably be somewhat of a, a weakness for the team. Um, and I think people forget that Pinnaker is a freshman, so he still had a decent season for someone who just came out of high school and is <laughs> just kicking for mm-hmm. them for a major college football team, right? So he was 50 of 52 on extra points, uh, 15 of 21 on field goals, which isn't necessarily like great, but I think it was better, like I said, than most expected coming into the season. But I think one thing that needs to be mentioned is he finished the season strong. He hit 10 of 12 field goals um, to end the season. I think that just is a sign of growth throughout the season that he's getting yeah. better and he's going to be better as he like grows in his uh, grows with the program and gets older and gets more experience, that kind of thing. Um, so I think eventually he can become, become a good kicker and maybe you know he'll be another MVP down the road. Now I'll take your side on one point is that you know you mentioned ten of twelve to end the season, correct? Yeah. So ten of twelve to end the season. I remember I was at the Wisconsin uh, Penn State game and that was a very windy game. He drilled one from fifty yards or so, mm-hmm. and you know the wind was blowing at him. The fans loved it, and then he missed another one where it's like. It was a little bit shorter, but, you know, the wind was such an issue that day. It was cold. The football's a brick at that point. Right. Very tough kicking conditions for Pinnaker. So, you know, take away that game. He did end on a solid note in the regular season. Right. But a lot of fans will be looking through the offseason at his Citrus Bowl performance where there was a kick that was blocked by Josh Allen when he was mm-hmm. falling on one of right. the Penn State uh, linemen. And then uh, another kick that was missed on a, a, a poor snap, poor hold, but still uh, a a kick that he probably should have made. I'm going to stray away from the kicking game, and I'm going to go over to the return game, and that is K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler, obviously, you know, the Penn State fans remember him from the Appalachian State game where Penn State was trailing late in the fourth quarter, and K.J. Hamler, all day, he was being held in the end zone, told to fair catch it, and he finally was like, you know what, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of the end zone returned the ball into Appalachian State territory. And overall for the season, that just showed how explosive K.J. Hammer was going to be the rest of the year. And he averaged 26.2 yards per return, which that's very dynamic. And a lot of times these returners, if they, if they get in the end zone, they're going to call for the fair catch unless it's a situation like the Appalachian State game uh, where they want to have a spark. Or even the Michigan game where Coach Franklin uh, declined a penalty on Michigan where he just wanted the team to get a spark from Hamler by taking the ball at a favorable uh, field position. But Hamler was a stud, in my opinion. He was a breakout star for this team. Uh, another guy that not a lot of people saw this from Hamler, oh, no. come, but um, I thought his special team performance was very crucial. And I think next year he's going to have a bigger role with uh, DeAndre Tompkins graduating. He's going to really move into the punt return role where he was a kind of a part-time performer this year. Yeah, I agree. He definitely he definitely had a, a huge impact on the special teams. Like you said, the Appalachian State game, that was a huge return for that game. And they don't win that game without him returning and receiving. <clears throat> yeah, we come out of the season struggling against App State, and everybody's you know everybody's up in arms, and and he kind of just made it. as a freshman comes out and makes one of the biggest plays of the year to avoid the the massive upset that was that was brewing that day. Yeah, and we're gonna move on to not just KJ Hamler, but other freshmen. Uh, to our freshman of the year category, Brandon, who is your pick for freshman of the year? Well, you picked him for special teams. I picked him for freshman of the year. It's KJ Hamler. As you said, nobody expected him coming in and doing something like this special. I mean, I kind of, I mean, yes, he was 
did very well on the special teams side of the ball. Um, but as a wide receiver, just just really solid, um, really solid year from him. Forty two receptions, seven hundred and fifty four yards. That's that was the team's leading receiver. That was almost over four hundred more yards than the next highest yeah. uh, guy. So definitely, just a dynamic playmaker, very fast. Um, just the kind of guy that you want to give the ball because you know he has that big play ability. You know he could take the ball, make make a quick move, or use his speed to get to the open field. That 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 kind of thing. I think he's just a huge. He was a huge um, plus for the for the Nittany Lions here as a freshman. I think back to the Ohio State game um, when he had that long touchdown. I just yeah. I still remember ESPN announcer Chris Fowler. He calls. He says, "Welcome to college football." And I thought that was just a just a, a fitting way to welcome him to the national scene as the freshman mm-hmm. and someone who really I think is going to be a big part of Penn State coming years. I mean, you mentioned you know, his season stats and, you know, he was Penn State's most consistent receiver in a, a group that was very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he, he is a slot receiver where it's kind of harder. I wouldn't say it's harder to get him the ball, but you have to find more creative ways to get him the ball as opposed to just an outside receiver. Mm-hmm. But it also seemed like whenever it was a big game or the team needed a big moment, K.J. Hamler was the guy stepping up, whether it was Appalachian State that Ohio State touchdown, he mm-hmm. ran at 93 yards, outran everybody on that Ohio State defense. Right. You know, even in the bowl game when Penn State was trailing 10 nothing, he had a big 41-yard uh, uh, catch on a screen pass. And, you know, Hamler really stepped up in the big moments, and he was a very, very bright spot for this Penn State offense. And, you know, I think in a way he, he kind of became a leader on that team as well, especially with his um, postseason comments about the coaching staff. I think especially with some of these guys transferring next year and graduating, I think he's going to really step up and be one of the top voices in that wide receiver group. Yeah. As for my freshman of the year, I went down the path of the true freshman and kind of like the surprise performer as well. You know, Penn State had a big question mark coming to the season at tight end with Mike Jacecki getting drafted by the Dolphins in the second round. Mm-hmm. And early on in the season, it looked like the Penn State tight ends were not going to be a, a huge part of the offense, but then... Really, I think starting with the Ohio State game, Pat Fryermuth really emerged and came onto the scene. And, you know, we saw him as one of Trace McSorley's top targets. We mentioned the receiver struggles this year, but Fryermuth was such a bright spot on this offense. Not only was he a very good receiver and a clutch receiver, and, you know, he had the, the big touchdown catch against Ohio State. And, you know, the Penn State offense turned him on a fourth down against Ohio State. He's a true freshman playing the biggest game of his life. Mm-hmm. And they turned to him on a fourth down. Unfortunately, got uh, swatted at the line. But he was a very good blocker, too, which is something that Mike Jasicki did not bring to the table. No, he really struggled throughout his entire career to, to be a good blocker. Yeah, and so looking at Fryermuth's uh, statistics for the year, he had 26 catches, 368 yards. He averaged over 14 yards per catch, and he had eight touchdowns. And that's really playing, not really playing that much in the, the first four games of the year. Mm-hmm. And he was second in the country among tight ends and touchdown catches behind uh, Texas A&M's Jay Sternberger, who had 10, and Sternberger's going to the NFL next year. And there's a lot of, you know, you look at the two tight ends from Iowa that are going to the draft next year. They were really good players, Hockensock and uh, Fant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think going into 2019 uh, season that Pat Frymuth is going to be among the top tight ends in the country next year. He could be a John Mackey candidate for uh, best tight end in the country. And I think a lot of it had to go with how he emerged, starting with that Ohio State game where he was a, a big red zone target, a guy that can get the ball down the seam in the middle of the field. I thought you know, he, he, he was 
really a nice surprise for this Penn State offense. Yeah, um, I'm going to get into him a little bit later, but uh, definitely a guy that um, could be counted on in the in the big moments. I thought he bought, I thought he caught some big touchdowns um, throughout his let's like, freshman season. Let's get right into it. Your unsung hero. Yeah, so I went with him um, only because I think that, as we talked about, my freshman of the year was Hamler, and I think that Frymuth is kind of just kind of like a one A guy. Yeah, he went he went kind of over, he was overshadowed by Hamler in a way. As I said, he had 26 receptions. 368 yards. He was actually the second leading receiver behind Hamler. So definitely that was interesting to see a tight end up there with the top wide receiver for receiving yards. But uh, just as I said, he he, is a, he he had some drops. Let's not pretend he didn't. But he did, he definitely made some big catches um, and some big moments, some big touchdowns. And definitely I want to get some more attention to this guy because I think in the coming years he has a really bright future. And I think that even more than this year he's going to have a big part of the offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think Penn State is going to find some ways in the offseason to get him the ball in more creative ways. We saw, I mean, I'm thinking of Mike Jasicki's career. He struggled early on. Fryermuth had this breakout you. as a freshman, one of the biggest games of his life. And, you know, I think this Penn State offense is really going to, I wouldn't say revolve around Fryermuth, but it's going to be, you know, kind of like you look at Brady and Gronkowski or um, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in the NFL. And it's just like, Okay, it's third down. We need we need the conversion here. All right, I have that security blanket, tight end, yeah, a big six foot <laughs> six target that could kind of block out defenders, kind of like a a basketball player, mm-hmm. and you know make big catches uh, and even go after the run. And that's something that Mike Jasicki kind of showed early in his career, but struggled with drops, and then really emerged his junior and senior years. And I think Fryermuth is right. kind of already at that level where he he can make big catches. He's a much more consistent blocker, and I'm really excited for Pat Fryermuth going into 2019 and beyond because I think not only does he have an outstanding chance of having a great career at Penn State, but a great chance of having an outstanding career in the NFL as well. Yeah, definitely someone that, as I said, has a bright future um, with Penn State and the NFL because I just think he's kind of that guy that that shows that showed he is capable of making the the play in the big moment. Even with the pressure on him, he can make the like you said the third down conversion, the big touchdown, like w- whatever it may be, and I think that plays well for someone who is going to be a part of a big college football program and eventually in the NFL. Yeah, so you had uh, firing me with a freshman as your unsung hero. My unsung hero was another freshman, and that's linebacker Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Parsons was one of the top recruits in the country uh, coming into this season, top recruit in the state of Pennsylvania. And despite only starting one game this year, he led the team in tackles with 82. He really filled a void at the linebacker position that was, you know, left with graduation last year, like Jason Cabinda. And, you know, coming on as the leading tackler of, you know, a top 20 program like Penn State, I think Micah Parsons was that unsung hero that sometimes it was overlooked by some of the struggles the defense had with tackling. But I think Micah Parsons was outstanding in that, he was able to sure up that tackling aspect, especially as the season went on, because he didn't play too much in you know the early portions of the season. Obviously, getting acclimated to uh, big time college football. But you look at Parsons: 82 tackles, four tackles for loss, a sack and a half uh, coming off the blitz, and he forced two f- uh, fumbles as well. And he was pretty much a consensus All-American as a freshman uh, by ESPN, The Athletic, 24/7 Sports. So you know. 
he was one of the top freshmen in the country, and I think he filled a really important role for this Penn State defense and a position group that had a lot of question marks around it coming into the season. And I think with Parsons returning for his sophomore year, having another year under his belt, that he's poised for an, a big 2019 season as well. Yeah, I definitely think he fits the bill as an unsung hero because I think a lot of people looked at him and said throughout the season, you know, he's a freshman, like he's having a great season, but you could tell that there's still a lot for him to learn. Obviously that happens when you come in right out of high school and play linebacker for you know a top top 15 program or top 20 program, whatever you want to say. And I think that as he goes, he's going to get better and better. But I think unsung hero is perfect just because like you see some of the struggles but you also see the fact that he was able to grab 82 tackles and lead the team in tackles despite like barely starting any games, really. I mean, he was on the field a lot, but he didn't really start as like the, the, the number one linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you look at Parsons' freshman year, it's probably going to be the worst season of his career. <laughs> That's, Not that it was a bad true. season. No, no, but exactly. he's going to get better. He's His ceiling, his potential is off the charts. And I think Micah Parsons having a very productive 2018 season for this Penn State defense really makes him a, a very good candidate for Unsung Hero. Yeah, I agree. Now, we're going to move off the, the playing side of it, and we're going to move over to the coaching staff. Last year, I think, overall, our consensus was Joe Moorhead, right. assistant coach of the year. <laughs> um, obviously, he took the job at Mississippi State last year, or this year, actually. Yeah. And... Um, so it left a void of offensive coordinator. Ricky Ronnie took over. Uh, offense wasn't quite the same. So Brandon and I went into a different direction with offense or assistant coach of the year, rather. And we took Sean Spencer. Sean Spencer, Coach Chaos. Yeah, we both, I think it was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of the assistant coaches, um, I don't know if they really had the best seasons, but this is no, this is one of the guys. No. That, this is one of the guys that was definitely a bright spot in terms of um, assistant coaches. Um, defensive line play was stellar. We talked about this time and time again. I'm not convinced by the run stopping ability up the middle, but the pass rush was awesome, and yep. I think that is what this guy preaches from time to time. Cause havoc in the backfield, just just be a force back there. I mean, the team had 47 sacks this year. They had, they weren't the top team. They were second behind Clemson, but Clemson obviously Clemson played, played two extra games, right? The national championship and their conference championship. But they were first in sacks per game. But even just to compare Penn State to a program like Clemson, obviously the national championship and with high a caliber lot of team, high draft picks on the defensive line, right? So you can just tell how good this team was, this defensive line was in the pass rush, just because of that stat. Because you look at. You're comparing your defensive line to the best team in the country, obviously. Like Alabama's been on the national scene for years, and Clemson just destroyed them in the national championship this year. Mm-hmm. So definitely a good program to compare to. Um, it definitely shows how good they've been. I mean, with Coach Spencer, too, you have to look at – I'm going to look at the sacks as just a unit because some of those sacks, they do come from linebackers, but 38.5 sacks by defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You mentioned first in sacks per game in the country, which is – incredible feat honestly because i mean there's 130 division one teams and you know you look at ohio state had a dominant defensive line with you know obviously losing bosa was a difference maker but still you know there's some elite programs with great defensive linemen penn state wasn't supposed to be that way this year and coach spencer i think should take a lot of credit for how this um defensive line emerged i I also look at 
some of the success stories of this season. And, you know, Yutur Gross Matos emerging in the way he did, coming on 20 tackles for loss, 8 sacks. We already, you know, gloated about him a little bit. Um, but also, a lot of these guys, they do want to go to the pros. And Sharif Miller and Kevin Gibbons declaring for the draft, that's a heck of an accomplishment to have two defensive linemen going to the NFL draft next year. And they're under Coach Spencer's tutelage and I think that's just an outstanding job by Coach Spencer by having, you know, a, a whole line emerge. You know, there's a lot of question marks with it, especially losing the two defensive tackles that started last year. And, you know, he did a great job with assembling a line, rotating guys in, getting some guys' experience. And I, I'm expecting this line, despite losing two, two starters from last year, to be just as good, if not better, than this year, especially in the run stopping aspect of the defense yeah he definitely deserves a lot of credit i mean even over the years he's like the guys that he's bringing out and put in the nfl um just how he coaches is like he just he brings these guys and they have special years in the pass rush i mean i think of guys like i mean the first name that comes to my mind is carl nassib because i just Mm -hmm. remember like that guy had like just the motor was always going just just a really just electric guy just got into the backfield whenever he could like just really just never gave up on the play and i think that's the kind of uh thing that Sean Spencer tweets, like the wild dog um, mentality. Mm-hmm. Just kind of just go after it, get out there, cause havoc, and, and create big plays. I mean, I think that's when Penn State's at their best, when Coach Spencer and Coach Pry have their defense just running straight up the field, not, kind of not even worrying about the the running game, where they can just play fast, play play with the motor, especially when Brent Pry calls uh, blitzes, especially with the linebackers. I think that's when this Penn State defense is most fun to watch, is when they can just get upfield, get to the quarterback, and even if they don't get to the quarterback, they can you know, create pressure, create some bad throws, and create some turnover situations for the secondary. I think, you know, like we said, Coach Spencer, great job this year. Probably our top of, uh, assistant coach of the year. Uh, so that'll conclude today's podcast, talking about some of the postseason awards for the Penn State football team. If you haven't already, please like us on Facebook at For the Glory of Old State. Also follow us on Twitter and keep track of our updates on Twitter at ForTheGloryOOS. And also be sure to subscribe and download our, to our podcast, For the Glory of Old State, on Apple and Spotify. And leave reviews. Rate, review, wherever you can. It, it helps the podcast. Give some help. feedback. Yeah, we like the feedback. Um, also, if you have any questions for future podcasts, we'll be covering some of the NFL draft news coming up. The NFL Combine is about a month away, I believe. Mm-hmm. So if you have any comments, leave them in our comment section on some of our posts. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.